Everybody, <laughs> have you heard? If you're ranking Beatles, then I show's the word. Rank them Beatles! Oh! Rank! <laughs> That's terrible. I'm truly sorry oh, for that. <laughs> you made me laugh, though. Like, I'm glad I, I got even, you on that one. <laughs> I couldn't even hold it until the end. That was good. Nice. <laughs> That's a win. I'll take that one. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Ranking the Beatles, episode number 64. How's it going, gang? Hopefully you're all doing well. Julia, how are you today? I am... I think a little bit of my brain is leaking out of my ears. Are you full of Beatles? I am full of Beatles. We it just is... finished watching Get Back. Mm, it's a lot of content. All eight hours. I want to start again as soon as we're done <laughs> with this taping. But we have another podcast to tape after that to talk about Get Back. So I'm super oh, excited. Yeah. Oh, my God, y'all. How good is Get Back? If you don't like it, jump off a bridge because you're wrong. No, don't say that. <laughs> don't do that. But It's... You know, it's very long, so you have to settle in. I did tell a friend today that it's like if you haven't watched it yet and you need to like – and you're worried about like breaking up into pieces, it actually does this really cool thing where at the beginning and end of each day, like it'll sort of um, – it switches to like a calendar. And like at the end of the day, like they put a little red X over the day on the calendar. And so that's always like a really good stopping point. So if you need to stop in the middle, because the ep, like it's three episodes and they're each very long. Yeah, two plus hours, so, almost almost three for most of them. Yeah. So yeah. if you're like, well, I have like 45 minutes or an hour, like I think it's okay because they've really done a good job of breaking it up mm-hmm. into, you know, easily digested bits and right. pieces of the story easy to swallow nuggets yes yeah because yeah. sometimes you know if you have kids or a job or you know grown-up responsibilities or you are a kid human needs <laughs> yeah like sometimes it's hard to sit there for two plus hours and focus on one thing yeah um so it, it's nice to be able to like oh this is a good stopping point right but uh yeah no i think you're, that's accurate though because uh, it is a lot of viewing it's a lot of content to take in oh my goodness I've got so many thoughts about it, I can't even put them into words yet. But thankfully, I don't have to, because that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a whole different song today. You excited about it? Yes. You should be. <laughs> so, let's talk about our show this week. Uh, we've got two guests coming today. Guest number one is the progenitor, keyboardist, and mandolin player of Emmy Award-winning children's rock band, The Imagination Movers, known for their television show that ran on the Disney Channel for four years and is now streaming on Disney+. Plus alongside Get Back, um, <laughs> countless concert tours across the country, multiple albums and DVDs. The Movers were recently nominated for, and uh, I'm sorry, The Movers were recently nominated for and received honorable mention in the USA Songwriting Competition for their song Leaves Fall Down off their latest record, Happy to Be Here. Uh, he's also, in his spare time, assistant professor and coordinator of the music business program at University of Lafayette. His name is Scott Durbin. And guest number two is no stranger to the world of ranking the Beatles. He's been here several times. He's the drummer for the Imagination Movers, not to mention the drummer in my own band, Big in the 90s. Uh, he co-wrote the track Leaves Fall Down with the rest of the Imagination Movers. And he's the other biggest Beatles nerd that I know. His name is Kyle Melanson. So why don't we uh, bring him on, shall we? Yes. Let's do it. Friends, please welcome to the show Scott Durbin and Kyle Melanson. 
Scott and Kyle, welcome to Ranking the Beatles. How are you guys? Very good. I'm I'm so stoked to be here. Glad to finally have you. Good, good, good. Kyle, you doing well, my friend? Very well, sir. Thank you. Like I haven't seen you in 48 hours. It's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, guys, before we get cracking into everything Beatles, I want to say first congratulations on the USA Songwriting Competition nomination. That's super cool. Um, how did that come about? Any idea? Was that something y'all submitted for or did they it just they seek you out? So I, yeah, I submitted for it. Um, I think the last time I submitted for it was back in, oh goodness, it was uh, Looking Out the Window, which is Calling All Movers, which was our third independent release. And that won uh, an honorable mention as well. Nice. So uh, it had been a long, long time. But, always the um, bridesmaid. But yeah, always the bridesmaid, <laughs> forever with the movers. Um, but uh, those, the songs on this new EP were so good. I was like, you know, I want as many people to listen to them as I can. And so, you know, we submitted again and, and we were fortunately out of 10 finalists, one of two award winners. And we were the honorable mention, which were the runner up, but the more people we can get to listen to that EP, the more I'm, I'm going to push it. Cause it's such a good stuff. It's such good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Now Kyle played it for us. Um, what y'all finally like had it done before it came out. He, it was like, Oh, this is, this is some good stuff. And that's the thing that I think has made y'all super successful over the years is like, it's not just like dumb music for kids, you know, it's <laughs> music that kids can enjoy, but also parents can enjoy. And that's such a, I think a rare uh, combination in that industry. So I guess one of my questions I do want to ask is, you know, like what first drew you to wanting to create children's music? How did that come about? Well, I think, I think part of it was a byproduct of all the individuals that came together um, were music and, you know, were music people, you know, we, we all played in bands kind of growing up. And, uh, and so any project that we created together was going to be music based. Mm -hmm. And generally, I think the fact that it was, it was kids music was simply, I had a friend at, uh, at the PBS affiliate in New Orleans that I had, you know, kind of wanted for a long time was harboring this kind of desire to pitch a live action kids show. And, um, and lo and behold, they, you know, like, Hey, yeah, come up with the idea, pitch it. And, we started gathering and, and, and really kind of formulating this concept, uh, which were, you know, kind of these blue collar brainstormers. And uh, we pitched it. They loved it. And they were like, well, we don't have any money, uh, which is always the case. <laughs> right. So they were, you know, and and I think there it could have been like, hey, it could have died on the vine, you know. But we were like, hey, if we can create content, will you put it on? And they were like, sure, you know. And uh, believing, I'm sure that that was never going to happen because, you know, <laughs> it takes a lot to get those balls up, you know. Uh, role and uh, and so we created music videos for those early works um, and so it was kind of always a part of what we were going to do but I don't think we intentionally said oh we're going to write children's music it was just sort of this concept that evolved and uh, and then was informed by my background as an educator and then all of our collective musical uh, tastes mm -hmm. uh, and so Newman you know, teacher Newman grad by the way nice yeah. Fellow, uh, yes, fellow Craig right. alumni, my... class of uh, 2000. I was, you know, the, uh, I will say Newman was a instrument, played a very instrumental role in the movers because, you know, I was there teaching uh, and it's a, it was a great place to network the concept. And so, you know, we had parents who knew this person or that person. And so sure. we were always trying to get our CD into this hands to get it to, to you know, to those person's hands. So it was a wonderful place and it was very, uh, they were very, um, supportive and encouraging of this this kind of side project because a lot of our early you know parties and stuff like that were Newman parents and what have you. So. Yeah, 
that's really cool because Newman, you know, for listeners not from here, uh, it's the school. It's a school that I went to from second grade till twelfth grade. Uh, it's a private school here in town, and they have a wonderful arts program. They always have been very supportive uh, of the arts, even though our best known. Uh, alumni are NFL players. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and, and I think the great thing about being at Newman was that they uh, they treated the professionals, they treated educators as professionals, you right. know, and instead of ma- micromanaging, you know, you still could be creative as an instructor. Uh, and I think they allowed that to happen. And I think that's probably, in my experience, one of the best educational institutions I've been a part of simply because they they allowed people to be they allowed educators to be creative with what they wanted to do. Yeah. Very cool. One second. I got to pause. This. Cool. All right. Uh, very cool. So, Scott, I've, I've asked this to Kyle. We've talked about this ad nauseum both on the show and in, in real life. Uh, but how do the Beatles factor into your life? What's kind of your Beatle origin story? What part do they play for you? So here's the, here's a strange thing is with the Beatles, I kind of. I came about uh, my knowledge and really kind of getting into the Beatles through um, through cover songs. Sure. You know, um, I mean, you, you kind of inherit your parents' musical tastes. And my dad was a Western swing fan. So, you know, if I weren't listening to Hank Williams or Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys, you know, that was the music that we had in our home. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't stuff. It wasn't until stuff like, you know, Earth, Wind and Fire, you know, got to get you into my life or or really Susie and the Banshees, Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence is probably the first song, the Beatles song that I heard. Wow. Um, and, you know, Great cover. yeah, it, mm-hmm. an amazing cover. And that that really was like, I didn't realize it was a Beatles song at the time. You know, that was what, back in 85, 84, mm-hmm. around there. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of drew, drew me into the Beatles world. And then, you know, even when I got older and I mean, something as silly as kind of candy flips, uh, strawberry fields forever, you know, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of songs sort of brought me into it. And then I had a friend, um, Anthony Mumphrey, who was a big Beatles fan. And he was a he was a creative collaborator when I was young. And so it wasn't like directly that I, I learned about the Beatles or listened to them. It was really kind of covers of their songs that I realized who they were and then started getting into their stuff. Yeah. So it was a roundabout way. That's very roundabout. That's that's pretty interesting. Um and as you kind of dove into it, what did you find attracted you more uh, or what, I guess, what attracted you more in, in terms of what they do? Like what kind of like tickled your fancy? Well, I think, I think part of it was with what, what I came to truly appreciate was like songs like Penny Lane or um, uh, Eleanor Rigby and these kind of like, um, almost kind of miniature photographs, like these mini stories, these pictures that that they could paint. And we got just enough of their stories in these kind of moments. Uh, and I think those are the things that really kind of brought me in was these kind of like almost living photographs within their their songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was like my, my thing, you know, because you, you could almost like, you know, even whether it's the fire truck or, you know, the bar, it was all these kind of like settings and people and you could picture it in your mind. And I think the ability to sort of picture the song and really kind of add your own details, almost like a story when somebody's reading to you, uh, you can fill in all the details. And I think they gave me like the base story, but then I could also add my own details. Yeah. I know it's not this kind of convoluted, but it was really these kind of mini living photographs in their songs that I kind of grew to love and appreciate. Yeah. 
And they're so good because you can go to those places. You can yeah. go to Liverpool yeah. and you can see Eleanor Rigby's grave and you can go to Penny Lane. Like Penny Lane is a real place. You can go to the roundabout. You can go to the. And y'all did. The, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's exactly what you see in your mind when you get there. You're like, it's not that far off from like the from mo- what- the, the head movie that I envisioned this to be. You know, like it all kind of makes perfect sense when you actually see it, which is bizarre. In my sad, sad side story to that. Uh, when the movers went to London in 2014, uh, Scott was kind enough to say, hey, whoever wants to go uh, early, I'll, I'll cover an extra day in the flat and everything. Do whatever you want to do. Very so nice, Scott. <laughs> it was. And uh, there was a horrible flight snafu. <laughs> and we ended up getting there actually later than the rest of the people that did not <laughs> Take advantage of the extra day. So I was going to use that day to take a train to Liverpool and go see all this myself. Uh, And that became an impossibility, which I rue to this day. With that piggybacking on that, luckily this, this spring I'll, I'm going to the UK and we'll be going to Liverpool. And so uh, I'm going to have that opportunity. I'm kind of stoked. What's bringing you uh, over there? Um, Well, you know, I, I, I received this. In the shows, I hope. (laughs) <laughs> no, I wish. I, I received this um, endowed professorship, and so part of it is learn uh, is really kind of studying what's going on with the UK government and DSPs and streaming, mm-hmm. uh, and how they're sort of doing a reset on like what Spotify and and all of those uh, companies like that do with regards to royalty streams. And so they're super progressive, uh, at least the UK government is. So I hopefully what what where all that shakes out will influence what's going to go on in America. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, I'm going to go to these kind of sort of, um, you know, music centric cities, music cities like Manchester and Liverpool and uh, and uh, and Glasgow, all these different places in the UK. So I'm, I'm super That's excited awesome. to, to go. That's incredible. So, super cool. I know. Congratulations. That's very exciting. Thank you very much. We'll, You're going to uh, love it. We'll, we'll send you all of our Liverpool recommendations. Definitely. Uh, I'd love that. And Please. if you're looking for anybody to be in touch with, we have we have some pa- some podcast pals over there we can, can connect you with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. definitely. Yeah. A night at the pub. Sounds like a great... <laughs> yes, for sure. For sure. Um, kind of a, a roundabout question, I guess, I want to ask, and I'll throw it to, to both of you because I, I think you'll probably both answer it differently. Um can you think of ways that the Beatles or their music or their presentation or kind of, you know, any aspect of what they do um, has worked its way into what y'all do with imagination movers? Well, I mean, you know, the obvious is the cover for 10, four, which was our 10th um, album mm-hmm. is essentially uh, an homage to Abbey road. Um, but I think, I think really this, this last EP is, there's some really great kind of um, influences, a subtle or overt. Um, I think, you know, obviously with the song called My Dog, which is really a day in the life, you know, it's kind of all these sort of small songs that are stitched together. Abbey um, Road was the brief for that one. Like, we've got five different mini songs. Instead of trying to make them all long songs, just smash them all together make yeah. it one long one <laughs> that's awesome and so that one and then also i think you know leaves fall down which you know kyle i think has written two or three songs with the movers uh, leaves fall down being one of those i think that song especially the ending and how it sort of builds this kind of crescendo i think is definitely reminiscent of 
you know, a lot of Beatles songs where the ending just sort of just builds and builds, like I think Hey Jude off the pan, or, you know. It's very Hey Judy. Yeah, it's very Hey Judy at this ending, and you've got this mix of brass and, and, and you know, all these different instruments, which I think are just this build and build. And so I think those two songs in particular kind of stand out to me as far as being super influenced by the Beatles, um, whether intentionally or, or definitely um, subtle, you know, you know, I think uh, part and parcel of the, how they play around with music sometimes. And, and, you know, I even think of like earlier iterations of things that they've done, like, you know, playing uh, parts backwards and using that as a, a melody or a counter melody. Mm-hmm. Um, has found its way into our songs in, in some way, shape or form. I love playing stuff backwards. I remember submitting a song for um, the TV show. Uh, it was uh, Easy Come, Easy Go, where we played something backwards. And of course, Disney said, no, <laughs> you cannot do that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it wasn't going to stop us from trying. So, uh, but uh, I think uh, this definitely this last EP, I feel really kind of brought out the Beatles and the movers. That's awesome. I have to say, I, I feel like on... Uh, your jam, Watermelon Meow Meow. I hear a real temporary secretary influence yes, there. Yes. I, I'm making the connection. I can hear that. <laughs> that Yes, totally. Uh, I, that's a great, you know, that was a great, I mean, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you know what Watermelon Meow Meow is about. No, no. do tell. Go on. So do not. Watermelon Meow Meow is essentially what we sing when we forget the words. Mm, okay. So we all sing Watermelon Meow Meow. Uh, and so... We, w- we thought it would be genius to write a song where the lyrics were actually Watermelon Meow Meow. I love, so. it. I love it. Drop it into the episode here. Watermelon Meow Meow. Hello? Hello? Is there someone on the line? Hello? Watermelon Meow Meow. Then boom. <laughs> So that that's the genius of that little uh, experiment, yeah. which is and, very and it's kind of temporary secretary. Now that I think of it, that's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's also very beatly to Julia, music scholar. <laughs> there it is. Well done. Uh, I'm, I'm available for hire, Scott. If you need some help in your department, definitely. I'm totally kidding. I don't know shit about music. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's a very. Uh, a very Beatlesque thing to be able to play with the idea of what constitutes a song, though, uh, in that yeah, same totally. context. Like, that's a very Beatle thing that, you know, didn't really exist until they kind of started doing that. Um, you know, I think that's something that's very much a maybe you know, subconscious uh, Beatle influence right there. Yeah. I, I guess I for me, the, uh, the, the, the most Beatlesque thing about Movers is just... I, in recent years, especially the way we work in as much as so Scott's a big uh, proponent of when it's time to do a record or whatever, like, Hey, instead of everyone just writing songs and then coming in with them and polish them up later, we go away. We either gather at someone's house or we go rent a little house on the lake or something. And instead of, you know, working on presupposed ideas, just kind of getting together and 
let's see what happens, you know? Um, and, and I guess more to the point, the idea that just none of us are really precious about it has to be my idea or my song. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, you know, anything goes, uh, leaves fall down. The song I co-wrote, we're just sitting around Way to take the credit there, Kyle. <laughs> As an example, <laughs> like I'm the drummer in the Imagination movie, but we were sitting around playing some acoustic guitars and I just picked up the bass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so it, it started with me playing the banjo and you playing the bass. And then, then they were like, will you just play bass then? Yeah. So I was like, what, really? <laughs> okay, and that's how it goes. Yeah. And I think Beatles, same, like, you know, the best idea is the best idea, no matter right. who comes up with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think you, you all have, you know, we all can shepherd things, but because um, I like that term. Um, but I think early on we knew, you know, I, 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 having been in bands, it's like when you have like this kind of disproportionate songwriter and, and I respect those bands that have that, you know, where, hey, this is the songwriter and the guy, this is the guy that's mm-hmm. and that's fine. But for, for I guess I've always looked at myself, musically speaking, as a collaborator. You know, I, I think sometimes like a song when kind of allowed to have, you know, six or eight other hands on it, um, it, is, it becomes something I could have never imagined it being. And so I think for me, it's always kind of looking back and saying, wow, you know, I don't think I would have ever had that song go in that direction. But this collaborative effort kind of almost like, you know, the uh, the, the parts to the whole kind of expression, um, I just to me that always makes it that much more meaningful it's not like hey this is my song and this is the end result it's like i have this idea or you have this idea and we come to work together and we build into something that's sort of magical yeah and for the most part i think you know even like if you were to look at all our songs i'd say i'd say at least 80 percent are hits you know i mean in the sense of like we we accomplished something greater than what we had set out and you know you always have your clunkers here and there sure um but um it's that's that's what I love about being in a group is that it's it's this kind of parts of a whole. Mm-hmm. It's a great point. Watching the Get Back uh, documentary, you know, even though they're either Lennon McCartney or Harrison songs, it is amazing to see, to use your term, how many hands got on all those songs to contribute something absolutely critical that it could not get to where it got without that input. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just think back to the part of where Ringo comes in with Octopus's Garden and he mm-hmm. and George are the only ones in the studio and George helps him like flesh out what the song is as we know it. Yeah. And you like hear yep. it come together. Like Ringo's just kind of like in there on the piano and you're like, okay, I see where he's got like, he's got the basis of it. Right. But then George. I see where you're going. Like... Let me write the rest of the 80% of this for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, takes that 20, it takes that 20% it feels like, of speed but just to start Without that off. 20% Ringo, it yeah. couldn't have, it couldn't no, have got right. there. You need a Rue to start a good gumbo. There it is. Oh, Ringo no. is there. Oh, you're fired. <laughs> Welcome to Ringo. Going local. Julia. <laughs> Going local. Oh, man. Kyle will definitely come take over for you, though, if I leave. Or for me. I mean, <laughs> once yeah, I, I fired you. You're kidding me. I leave to, uh, once I leave to go join Smash Mouth. <laughs> side, oh, my gosh. Side jokes I'm got, still getting texts. I'm still getting texts. I'll tell this story because it's completely unrelated, but it's been on my mind. Uh, Friday at our Big in the 90s show, before we played Smash Mouth's All-Star, I don't know why, Stephen encouraged me to 
say something and I made up some complete spiel about how I had auditioned to be the new singer for Smash Mouth and gotten the job and that this was my last show with the band. My house was on Zillow and I'm moving to California to join Smash Mouth. I mean, completely deadpan, like straight. It was like a two minute spiel. It was great. Sold it. And so until you got to putting the house on the market, I was like, is he telling me? Is he telling me this? So after the show, the commitment to the bit was extreme. Oh, it was great. Oh, great. After the show, our bass player's dad was like, are you really moving? Like, oh my God. And I I said, no, I was, I was joking. Cause I, even after the song, I I was like, oh, I just got a text from Smash Mouth. I didn't get the job, but apparently no one heard that. No one heard that. There've been multiple uh, Twitter posts and uh, DMS and text messages about, is Jonathan actually leaving to join Smash? <laughs> Which oh, this may be my greatest. Uh, my greatest brother was like, time. "Oh man, like yo, we're just starting to get some traction. What a shame!" I'm like, "What?" Oh. He's like, "Jonathan's leaving." I'm like, "No, he's not." <laughs> so why do you do this? Oh, it's no, fun. everyone's gonna. They're gonna stop coming to your shows. Well, I'm not the only drummer. No, here. Kyle's in the band. You never know when it might be the last one. Now that's true. on the fl- on the flip side. I know the booking agent for Smash Mouth, <laughs> and they need someone. They do need so a it's singer. not out of the question. What happened to the guy? Is John the you booker for Smash Mouth? Yeah, no, no, no way. not John Walden. Brian oh, okay. Swanson. He uh, he retired. Wow. Oh, the singer? Yes. You, uh, Google yeah, it. I don't want to. We shouldn't anymore. go into it on the podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> Probably not. It's not the safest conversation, but give it a Google if you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> But I would rather stay here with you and host our little podcast and sing covers with Kyle. Okay, that sounds great. Be fun. <laughs> All right, now that we've gone down that random road, why don't we turn our attention to uh, to this week's song, shall we, gang? Sure. Um, all right, coming in this week at number 153 is Yellow Submarine. In the town where I was born Lived a man who sailed to sea And he told his life in the land of submarines so we sailed up to the sun till we found the sea of green and we lived beneath the waves in our yellow submarine we all live in a yellow submarine yellow submarine In the spring of 1966, the Beatles were hard at work on their most experimental and time-consuming recording sessions yet for their new album. As customary, they would need a new song for Ringo to sing, as he always had one vocal spotlight on each record. However, the band was no longer in the business of recording cover songs, as they'd now grown into real artists and songwriters, and were beyond the need to pull from other writers, even for Ringo. Uh, So this song was mostly written by Paul, who claims the original idea came to him in that pre-slumber twilight part of the night, uh, with assistance later from John, as well as singer-songwriter Donovan, uh, who contributed the Sky of Blue, Sea of Green lyric, uh, but didn't get a co-write, though. Paul uh, is, is stingy with the co-writes. 
Um, <laughs> he later claims the uh, Paul. Listen, you don't get Paul McCartney money by giving co-writes. That's away. true. Good point. <laughs> uh, Paul claims the original idea of the yellow submarine uh, came from a dessert that he'd eaten on holiday in Greece in 1963. Now, John also talked about feeling as if he and George and their wives were in a submarine themselves while they were on their first LSD trip the previous year in 1965. Uh, now, also, additionally, childlike imagery was kind of uh, somewhat on par with a lot of the ideas and imagery in the burgeoning psychedelic scene the band was starting to dip their toes into as well. Um, and so the band gathered at EMI Studio Number 2 on May 26, 1966, minus an ill George Martin, uh, and spent the afternoon rehearsing and then recording this new Ringo-designated track, Yellow Submarine. A basic track was captured in four takes, recorded in a higher key and faster tempo, and then slowed down to the key and tempo we have on the record. That same Verispeed trick uh, was also applied to the chorus vocals provided later that day by John, Paul, and George, giving them a slightly muddier-than-usual sound. Uh, so the band returned to the track on June 1st and spent the day recording overdubs for the song. Uh, now, with George Martin back in the fold and able to draw from his work, uh, on, with the Goons and Peter Sellers on comedy records that the Beatles were so enamored with in their youth, uh, Martin worked with the band throughout the day creating the nautical sounds and party noises that fill the record. Ocean waves were created by the sound of George Harrison splashing water around a bathtub, which makes me wonder, did they bring a bathtub into the studio, or did he do that at home? I'm curious. Um, they had they had Mal they bring, had Mal a, bring tub, in a yeah. bathtub. <laughs> Mal, clawfoot tub, please. Um, <laughs> uh, bubbles were captured by John blowing bubbles through a straw. Uh, the band invited friends and guests to join in, like uh, the Rolling Stones' Brian Jones was added clinking glasses and background noises. Patty Boyd and Marianne Faithful joining in the chattering as well. The band's driver, Alf Bicknell, uh, rattling some chains. And the session, of course, ending with Mal Evans leading the group conga line around the studio, playing a marching band bass drum while the group sang the final chorus of the song. A spoken word intro for the song was recorded as well, featuring a brief narration from Ringo, telling of people marching to see a yellow submarine with the marching sounds created by shaking pieces of coal in a box. And we will march till three the day to see them gathered there. From Lander Groats to John O'Green, with Stepney do we tread to see a yellow submarine. We love it. Uh, this was actually cut from the track, though, and eventually released on an alternate mix as a B-side of the Real Love single in 1966. The track was released in August of 19... I'm sorry, did I say 1966? No, 96. August 96, some 30 years later. The track was released in August of 66 on the Revolver album, and breaking from their usual pattern of not releasing album songs as singles was part of a double A-side in both the UK and US paired with Eleanor Rigby. It was the band's 12th consecutive number one single in the UK, where it received an Ivor Novello Award for the highest sales of any A-side single that year. Uh, and in the U.S., while the band was undergoing the backlash of John's more popular than Jesus comment, Capitol chose to push Yellow Submarine more than co-A-side Ye uh, Eleanor Rigby uh, due to that song's religious imagery. Uh, Yellow Submarine peaked at number two on the charts in the U.S., mainly due to radio stations throughout the South that had blacklisted the band's music not playing the song. It was never performed live by the band, though of course it's been a part of Ringo's solo shows pretty much forever as it's one of his signature songs. And, of course, it was the inspiration for the 1968 animated feature of Same Name, which has gone on to entertain and confuse generations of children while also spawning <laughs> infinite collections of merchandise and memorabilia. <laughs> so, why do I have Yellow Submarine at number 153? So, this is kind of a hard song to take now because it's such a, it's such a big thing these days. Yellow Submarine has been commodified so much and merchandised and branded. The idea of the Yellow Submarine 
is just as ubiquitous as the band's own image or name. You see the submarine, you immediately think Beatles. It's almost weird to try and separate the song from the overall concept of Yellow Submarine. Uh, but as a song, there really couldn't be a more perfect vehicle for Ringle. Uh, Ringle. Ringle. <laughs> Ringle. Ringle. I love Ringle. My favorite Beatle. Uh, Your favorite Ruddle. <laughs> my favorite Ruddle. Ringle. All right, try it again. As a song, there couldn't be a more perfect vehicle for Ringo. It's written right in a vocal sweet spot for him where he doesn't need to work too hard as a singer. It really fits his image and his like just his whole Ringo-ness. Uh, I think there's this great kind of comfort that Ringo can bring to a vocal uh, where it's kind of like that beloved old uncle or grandpa putting his arm <laughs> around you for comfort and telling you a story about his days on a submarine or hiding out with octopuses. Uh, he's just kind of a natural at providing that like safety and comfort idea. And this song kind of gives that utopian idea of safety and comfort. Um, our friends are all aboard. Every one of us has all we need. There's really not much more than you could want with than that. Uh, and that kind of comes at the start of some real turmoil in the world as well. You know, with Vietnam really stepping up at this point, you're post JFK. Things are getting real serious. And here's the Beatles and old Uncle Ringo kind of inventing this happy place we can all go to. Uh, as far as the track, I think the production is really where it shines. George Martin really knew how to create the sounds that feel like you're going underwater. You're in a happy, drunken sailor sing-along. You know, it's incredible to think that only three years prior, they got one day to record a whole album, and now they take one day to figure out all these goofy sound effects for a song sung by the drummer. No offense, Kyle. Um, <laughs> I couldn't see any other producer... Pulling, all taken. Pulling, <laughs> I couldn't see any other producer pulling this off, though, than George Martin. Um, it, just, it took that that knowledge he had and that willingness to go to those places that many of the producers didn't have. And then also it's part of a stack of songs that Paul gets grief for that are, you know, really simple and catchy fun songs just for fun's sake. But I think that grief's kind of bull because there's no rule saying that he has to only write serious masterpieces all the time. Um, I think it's one of those things where someone says that song's so dumb, I could have written it. But you didn't. And the, those people yeah. never do. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. um, and this kind of song is the perfect gateway to get uh, to get a child into the Beatles, which I think is a big part of this ongoing multi-generational appeal that the band has. Um, so maybe it's only fault is that it's so joyous and fun. And sometimes that's not quite what I want from the Beatles. And in those times, I'll probably skip it because Lord knows I've heard it more than enough times. But that number is probably the minority. I think it's something that you can't not smile or sing along to. And it's the kind of thing that very few other bands could have dared to do or even come close to pulling off a complete children's song and not seemed like they were just being idiots about it at that time. Um, so, yeah, that is uh, that is my take on it. Guys, I throw it to you. Scott, would you like to go first, my friend? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think for, you know, I'll make the, you know, I, I think it's a great kind of escapist song. You know, you sort of mentioned and hinted out you know, all of the kind of the turmoil and even like the parallel to that is like, you know, obviously going through this pandemic, um, you know, when we had the song happy on the EP, there was a reason we wrote it. It was kind of a, a sort of escapist song, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, or that, and I, maybe not an escapist, but that in, in, in lieu of all this chaos, joy and happiness should not be casualties too, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think for, for, you know, Yellow Submarine, you know, there's, what, the three colors that are presented in the song, what, um, yellow, blue, green, yellow, blue, and green. so you've got these wonderful colors, the primary color of yellow, um, 
you know, this kind of friend, you know, this communal kind of, I mean, it's, to me, it's like this kind of reminder of we can be young, we can be a child at heart. Uh, and given all of the circumstances, that's not such a bad thing, uh, you know, uh, in today's day and age, as it was back in the, you know, the late 60s. Mm-hmm. So for me, I think it was, it, 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 it operates on multiple levels, which I think a great children's song does, it, you know, it's literal level, uh, but then also it's kind of um, figurative or symbolic level, you mm-hmm. know, uh, of community, uh, regardless of, you know, differences. Um, so that's my take. That's my two cents. That was actually one of my, a, a follow-up I had was, you know, what do you think really makes a, a children's song tick? You know, like that makes the ones that really, you know, stand, you know, kind of stand the test of time and become a, passed down through generations. Like what are those kind of, I hesitate to say like a check mark, but like the hallmarks of a good children's song, you know, what would you say? Well, I think there's definitely, you know, the to, to kind of, uh, you know, how many times does he say yellow submarine? I think there's repetition. You know, repetition is definitely a little uh, a key mm-hmm. because you want to be able to hear it once and sort of have it enough there that you can sing it on your own um, or have a song that that's accessible in that respect, you know, that anybody can kind of sing it. Yeah. Um, for a kid's song, I think that's important. I think for us, it's always been the music has always been music that we've appreciated and we would listen to regardless of the lyrics, uh, but that the lyrics are respectful of the listener. Um, like you mentioned early on, you know, I think one of the things that we even fought with Disney on was not to dumb down any of our content, mm-hmm. which, you know, when we were doing the show, you know, the demo was two to five. And when you think about like the, the disparity in cognitive growth from a two-year-old and a five-year-old is di- you know, major, um, and I think we were always considered a tween kind of show and uh, or transitional between toddlers to tweens. Um, and so we were like that transitional from Mickey Mouse Clubhouse to Phineas and Ferb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so our audience were like six, seven and eight. And it was even though our demo was two five. Interesting. And I think that was part and parcel to never really dumb down lyrics. And, and you know, a great example of us fighting for things is, you know, we had a song. Uh, um, an episode about warehouse mouse getting a toothache and we were like well we need to call you know he needs to go to a veterinarian they were like oh we can't send him to a veterinarian that's too big of a word you know that's too expensive of a word we have to send him to an animal doctor and i'm like you know that's ridiculous or or at the very least you can basically say hey we need to send him to a veterinarian what's a veterinarian an animal doctor and so at least you give you know you define what it is yeah. it's not you're not dealing with you know you know you, you can you can always challenge your listeners and i think um that's one of the things we did i think that's one of the things that, you know, the beatles did as well yeah uh even if it's a kid's song you know there's a huge difference between simple and stupid like exactly <laughs> you can write a very smart but simple song but it doesn't have to be stupid like you're right and i think paul really does a good job of like punging back at that like with, with yeah. like silly love songs yeah, he's like sure. What's wrong with that? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes that's just what you want. You want like a feel good song that because, you know, if you're like having a bad day and you just need like a song that makes you happy. What's wrong with that? Well, even the yeah. even the simple songs that he writes aren't necessarily stupid. Like exactly. they're almost that's there's almost saying. always something smart happening in the most simple of songs, mm-hmm. you know. Like you listen to it with headphones on, you're like, "Oh my god, I had no idea this was in the background." Like, right on a technical level, yeah. like you do that all the time. Yeah, for sure. 
So, um, but yeah, and and I think you know, like you're talking about the idea of challenging the listener. I think putting a children's song sung by the least vocally adept <laughs> member of your band in the middle of your kind of psychedelic new weird record is a challenge to Master your listener shirt. to go, hey, like maybe like step off the box of coolness for a second and like just have some fun, because like. Mm -hmm. One thing about this record is like this song just sounds fun. Like they're obviously having fun making this record. And like yeah. sometimes fun is not the coolest thing to to present, you know? Kyle, what what say you on this, my friend? Well, it's interesting. I I guess I didn't really think about it till Scott said it, but there is thinking back to when I first first heard this when I was a kid, it uh before thinking about it as an arrangement or a production or any of that, uh, just it's, it's the imagery that got me as a kid when I like, when you hear it and I hadn't seen the movie yet, you can immediately picture it. We all live in a yellow submarine. Not some of us, not we all, all of us live in a yellow submarine. I could act immediately. I, I could picture it in my head. I'm like, wow. How cool would that be if everyone in the world was in this big giant yellow submarine? It's just it's it's great imagery, and for a kid, which I was when I first heard it, it's uh, it's intoxicating. It's like yes, I want to be on that yellow submarine. Mm -hmm. And sound uh, like they're having so much fun. <laughs> it, it is. It is. It's 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 a fun song. Um, I guess my affection for it has dimmed somewhat as I got older and gotten into the rest of the catalog, but. I mean, when I do hear it, I, you know, I smile. Like it's it's it, it's a fun time. I guess I've come full circle on it. Yeah, loved it when I was a kid. Was like, oh, they've done so much better as a young adult. And coming back and I listened to it again before we taped this, I'm like, yeah, this really is great. Like you know, mm -hmm. they really spearheaded, which as you alluded to, the coming psychedelic movement of '67 or so every band jumped on the bandwagon of exploring childhood your own childhood your past children's imagery huge cmle play all that like it became a huge movement right. unto itself mm -hmm. trying you know even the original intent of drug use lsd specifically at that time was to try to unlock the door to get back to the innocence of childhood yeah you know you become an adult your mind gets clouded oh here's a way to get back to that purity of thought that naive state it doesn't end up that way ever of course but that that was the original there was a higher ethic to it than just getting blasted you know mm -hmm. and i feel like yellow submarine captures the the beginning cusp of that the the optimism you know, of the the optimism yeah, of the of drug movement that potential old door opening to childhood and more innocent times yeah Beatles sure. themselves explored this much more fully on strawberry fields penny lane etc mm -hmm. sure. but yeah no that's my feeling when i get it the 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 imagery first of all yeah like scott said the colors yellow submarine i can see that sky of blue i can see that sea of green and i want to be in that yellow submarine yep. It's perfect. It, it's, the, it's a perfect the, friend, the friends are all aboard. Many more. Yeah. And our friends are all aboard. What well, yeah, doesn't sound just, great about that? Exactly. A big yellow submarine with your friends all aboard, mm -hmm. looking out at a sky of blue sailing on a sea of green. 
I remember picturing when I was a kid, I was like, what would green water would look like? Like that, 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 that would be so cool. So all you'd seen was the brown water of the Mississippi Gulf. Coast. Right. Exactly. You can't go in there, Kyle. Water in Biloxi isn't green. But, uh, and if it is, you wouldn't want to go in it. But Dude. yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, per- perfect, perfect song for the moment. And as it turns out, perfect song for all time. I passed it on to my children via the movie and everything that kind of kickstarted their whole yeah. Beatle fandom and uh, stays with them to this day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Julia. I know Bruce a big Beatle guy too. So. Oh we, yeah. We, my son we, is we, a huge. Beatle. Oh on. yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, How old is he? I, that's like that one thing I knew I was like, uh, cause he, 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 he was interested in music early on. And so I was like, of course, you know, if I'm going to teach him, I'm going to teach him from <laughs> the Beatles. So yeah. uh, he has a few, a few books. Um, How old but, is he? Uh, he? He's now 19. Oh my gosh. So, wow. Yeah. So he's Incredible. got a few years of fandom under his Totally, totally. <laughs> nice. What do you think, my dear? You know, it's funny. Uh, I didn't think about this until just a minute ago, like as we're having this discussion, uh, we actually had a discussion this morning about how just talking about how we've been so busy. And I was like, um, I'm tired of being adult. Like, can we go back to (laughs) when we were like younger and dumber and like, didn't have all these responsibilities and like grown up stuff to do. Right. (laughs) So I feel like this is the perfect song for today. Like it's kind of, it's gleeful and beautiful and it's imagery and it's cheerful and, it kind of just makes you think of like a simpler time, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, I'm actually really glad we're talking about this song today because nice. it made me feel a little <laughs> bit better Good <laughs> about being no, a I mean, up. <laughs> you know, I think it's like, it goes back to that, you know, I think that, I mean, not to be too esoteric, but it's like, you know, you, you want to believe people are good, you know, you mm-hmm. want goodness, you know, and mm-hmm. I think we're, we're a lot of, a lot of kind of those child those innocence, the, those experiences of, of make-believe and, you know, those creative elements uh, and picturing, you know, like a yellow submarine in your, in your, in your, you know, in your mind's eye, it's a happy place, you know, and like you said, it's like, you know, there's so much that we can kind of get burdened down by. I mean, you know, the world's so busy and, and so um, mean sometimes that you do, you yearn for that goodness, that innocence. Um, and what better way to experience it than, than a song? Because I think the song actually, the song itself pushes past kind of, you know, just the emotional and, and physical and gets into, a, you know, the kind of the, the spiritual element of us. And I think uh, uh, what a great way to kind of infuse that that need that we have of like wanting kind of happiness and joy to be as as uh, paramount in our lives as the things that we have to deal with, you know, on a, yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Perfect. We, we address this every Imagination Movers show, by the way, near the end of the show we'll have some kind of breakdown in a song at some part and uh, Rich or Scott or someone will address the parents directly in the audience and, and say as much that, you know, we know you're busy. We know there's a lot of things going on in the world and, you know, long story short, you know, we hope this two hours you spent with us, you know, you could forget all that and just, you know, have fun with your kids and let all that go for a little bit because it's important. It's and it goes by quick. Big. Goodness gracious. It yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Do you think this song is, does this song have the legs that it does without the film? 
I think it could be appreciated on one level, you know, mm-hmm. sh- surely. Uh, I think the film definitely, I mean, anytime you're given the visuals, yeah. you know, uh, then, you know, it takes that element out of like, what could this be? Um, but, you know, I think for me, I'm always fascinated, you know, when I talked about just how I got into the Beatles as sort of kind of this non-traditional way. Um, even now, my... Um, a lot of my love for the Beatles comes from the business aspect of the of the of the of what they've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, even like when it comes to music merchandising, and I know you sort of mentioned that early on. And and I think for me, I always think about like the Beatles and 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 just how ubiquitous they are, and to what degree that exists based on those early merch deals, where um, I think Nikki Bryan uh, basically was um essentially sort of uh licensing out the rights to the beatles like on pennies for the dollar Mm -hmm. and so their likeness was everywhere they lost millions on those initial merch deals yeah they had no idea what he was doing but this this sort of you know accidental almost genius marketing ploy put them in homes that they would never have reached before yeah you know their likenesses and i wonder i'm curious to know how much like the the yellow submarine got into a home before the music did. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I'm always fascinated by things like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously that whole early licensing deal in hindsight was the worst thing that could have happened, but could it be the, the best thing that happened because it did right. get them it, it exposure they would never have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I'm always fascinated by those kinds of concepts uh, as well. Yeah. And it was also, I mean, it was also, that was kind of the beginning of that mass, you know, marketing of a band. Um, totally. You know, Kyle, you may be able to correct me on this, but I don't think there was ever like a huge real-time Elvis marketing thing. To my knowledge at, at the time, no, there, there was no buy your Elvis betting here or any of that. Yeah. When he, I like, I, I just don't think it, Elvis brooches, Elvis t-shirts, like, no, things no I don't think, existed. no. That, that was that was the Beatles. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was, it was the Beatles. Um, I know that Elvis actually created a merchandising company, but never did anything with it. And really? uh, the Beatles, what the Beatles started in what 1960? Is that right? Uh, I mean, I, I, arguable the I mean, origin date. <laughs> so what? Three years after that date is when um, the 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 merchandising company was set up. What was it? It's Beatles backwards. What's what's cell the pronunciation? Cell tab. Yeah, cell yeah. yeah. yeah, tab was essentially created three years after 1990. I, I, I mean, 1960 is what I the way I right. think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a year after that company was set up, I mean, there was Ringo dolls everywhere, and you know, sticks of licorice with the Beatles name on it, and things like that. And um, I've got I just somewhere like, a whole framed. It's next door, but a whole frame thing of cell tab products, brooches, cufflinks. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it was everything, anything and everything you could imagine. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm always fascinated about that. But I but going back to the song, I always think of like how toyetic it is because you know even today, you know one of the things that we deal with on the on the, the kind of not so great side of children's music is like how toyetic is this, you know because almost all the shows now are it's pretty good, but I don't know if we can make a plush out of it. Well, yeah, it's this kind of concept <laughs> of like, 
I mean, one of the reasons why we were never merchandise is, I mean, obviously we're a live action. And so, you know, you don't want on your four-year-old daughter's bed sheets this mug, you know, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you know, you want a, a harmless cartoon or a, you know, a puppet uh, of some kind. But um, I would, I would you know, like- with all that being said, I think it, it sort of, there's obviously a loss when, when everything has to be toyetic or has to be yeah. this kind of commercialized element. Uh, but I could see Kyle on a, on a pillowcase with like a heart around him. Put me on the pillowcase. That's it. <laughs> I mean, didn't they have new kids on the black sheets? They sure did. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 they existed at some point. Oh, yeah. I think one of the weirdest things of original Beetle merchandise I ever saw was Beetle's talcum powder. <laughs> oh, wow. Like, what? Why? Who? Why? That's bizarre. Who needs that? But, uh. Yeah, the, the whole yellow submarine concept is is just so big now and so massive. Um I can't think of any other band that has a thing like that that is just as uh well known. Like I have yellow yeah. submarine things that doesn't even they don't even say Beatles on them. Mm. You just know yeah. what it is. Yeah. You like, just know. There's a lava lamp right here next to my desk that's just got yellow submarine stuff on it. Doesn't mention don't even have any of the four Beatles on it. Like Nope. It's, it's but the imagery is so iconic. No, you know exactly what it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's like Yellow Submarine Mystery Van. You know, yeah. it's like, right. You know, it's, <laughs> doesn't have to say Scooby Doo on it. You doesn't know that that's it. what you know it's it. You know? Yeah. Yep. Well, let's. Yeah, uh, it is. Okay. It's hard to separate the. I guess I didn't think about that either until you said it. I'm learning a lot today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard to separate because I think back when you asked me my thoughts on it. The thoughts I had on Yellow Submarine as a kid and hearing it without the visual definitely changed when I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's I had to I had to work hard to get back to my what my perception of it was before the movie, because that's it's it's drilled in my brain yeah. now. Yellow Submarine, Yellow Submarine movie. Well, and then there's like, confusion. The and then there's confusion with it because in the movie, they're presented as their 67 kind of Sergeant Pepper magical mystery tour right. era personas, but it comes out a year later when they look completely different from that. Right. So it's three mm-hmm. different years and three different looks and very different, right. uh, you know, people. Um, it's so I've always found that really strange when you do see them at yeah. the end of the film, they look nothing like they do in the movie nope. and they mm-hmm. look nothing like they did when they recorded the song, when they're still kind no. of the mop tops to some extent. Um, so that's it, weird, and it kind of puts it all in this weird juxtaposition. When you look at the song in like its historical con- context, you know it almost makes it seem more in the psychedelic realm than maybe it kind of actually is. Like, right. I don't know it, it just makes it walk this weird line that I think is really interesting, and is maybe the mm-hmm. only song that's like that that they have. Right. You know, like the movie is highly psychedelicized oh, yeah. imagery of the song and the legend, but the song itself, I'd argue, is fairly innocent and not psychedelic at all no really. you're right totally. <laughs> yeah i think i think the first time i saw it was at a as it was at a club like a edm kind of club back in like maybe the blue crystal back in like new orleans back in the day in yeah the they used to have it on the tv behind yeah, the they would have it on the tv while you were dancing to like the smiths or something weird you know some kind of juxtaposition of strangeness but i think that was the first time i saw it you know yeah. i mean quite honestly so that's interesting Man, well, you want to put a pin in it? Shall we wrap, put a bow on this one? Yeah. How do we feel about Yellow Submarine at 153 out of 223 songs? Too high, too low, in the right ballpark? What do we say? 
or too high, too low, or just like just baby right. bear's porridge, is it just right? <laughs> Thank Always. you, Cal. Scott. What do you Always. think? Too high, too low in the ballpark? What do you think? I'm gonna say it's it's probably around where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's such they, they, their scope and sequence of music and their catalog is so impressive. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely it, it it deserves merit. I think where you have it, given all of the other ones that I've seen, I think it's probably right on point. Maybe maybe a little too low, but I don't know. I mean, it would be just maybe a few like four or five songs difference. But sure, that's just me. Okay. It's hard I mean, to for do. me, it would. Be, for me, it would be higher than a lot of like their early stuff, but that's just me. I mean, well, I love no, all I mean, their... that's that's totally fine. Like, it's all about yeah. you. It's all subjective. I mean, yeah. what, you know, what I think is not any more right than what you think or what you think. I mean, totally. Yeah. Kyle, what about you? Where would you put it? Higher, lower? It's one of those that it, it, it's hard to even put a rank on it. it. It exists in such a strange place, almost outside of, you know what I mean? Its own merits yeah. as a song. Yeah. So it's hard. Um, I mean, I, I guess like Scott, I, I, I'd maybe have it a scotch higher just because of everything that it became later and, and the production value and everything. But I, I'd say you're in about the right ballpark, all things yeah. considered. I would be so curious to like, if you were to just ask, 50 people to name five Beatles songs or like 10 Beatles songs, just name 10 Beatles songs, not like their favorites, you right, know, how many people, Ye- Yellow Submarine would be up there, oh, for you sure. know, when you, sure. probably yeah. it's such a, it's su- it's such a, I mean, it's like a toy and it's, it's ubiquitous. Know, yeah. It's ubiquitous. So it is kind of strange because I'm sure that for people who might not be Beatles fans, they would right. easily conjure that song up versus yeah. a lot of their other. Can you do that Fair survey point. in one of your classes? I'm curious to know. I, I will. I'm <laughs> very curious to know that. Oh my God. Yes. I'd be super curious. Right. No that. context, no nothing. Name 10 Beatles songs. Go. Ancient. Exactly. I guarantee you, you'll get a bunch of yellow submarine. Pop yeah. quiz. Right. Kids. <laughs> you make it like a, you, you have two minutes to write down 10 Beatles songs. Don't look at your phone. Go. <laughs> Do it. That's it. I would love to see the results on that. That would actually. be so funny. What you thinking on this one, baby? Um, I think it's about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I think I don't. I'm sitting here trying to figure out if I like Octopus's Garden better than this one, and I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ranking the Ringos. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, I, I, I think I was talking. Be a short to, podcast. I blew that one. <laughs> yes. I do think that should be way higher than where I had it. Yeah, and I think I like Octopus's Garden. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I have to listen to them side by side, like one after the other, sure. and make that determination. But I, I think it's about in the right place. Like, there's definitely some I like better. There's definitely some I like less. So it's like just this sort of right in the middle. We're in that hard place where it's yeah. like there's definitely better. There's definitely the not. Spot. Yeah. So yeah. Like, You're hitting yeah. tough territory. Yeah. Unless you throw in something really unexpected. It's hard to argue way higher or way lower in the positioning group you're in. Maybe he sure. will. Oh, they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> the grenades are coming. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't wait. <laughs> I am not looking forward to that. We are going to get so much hate. <laughs> you think I'm getting hate mail on, on Twitter today? <laughs> Just wait. Well, gang, before oh, we uh, wrap it for the day, I want to throw some rapid fire questions. Scott, most of these are going to go to you. Kyle, I got a couple for yep. you, too, because you've done all the rapid fires. Yeah. But – 
I say it's rapid fire. They almost never really are. So um, <laughs> <laughs> feel free to expound. Just off the top of your head, uh, your favorite Beatles song. Strawberry Fields. Nice one. Nice one. Uh, your least favorite Beatles song. Uh, probably anything from Beatles for sale. Uh, maybe Honey Don't. Ooh, okay, okay. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Honey Don't. Flaming Hot Take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your favorite Beatles album? Uh, it, it's definitely a tie between uh, Magical Mystery Tour and Sgt. Pepper's. Okay, nice. Um, I mean, those those two are standouts for yeah. me. Uh, I'll throw this to both of you then, because this kind of ties into that. Your favorite Beatles era? Would I say you're more like a, more of a psychedelic era fan i am yeah it's i'm totally six, it's 66 to 68 for me yeah yeah okay both of y'all revolver through white fun. album that's that's my sweet spot nice okay uh for both of you your favorite beatles film Oof. <laughs> can we say the the, the new one <laughs> no <Sure. laughs> uh, um i don't know that's up there i'll tell you that Wow, I'm still recovering from that. Yeah. I mean, probably help. Mm-hmm. Simply because I think it's, you know, there's some elements there that, like, kind of informed. It's very movery. Yeah, help it's is. very movery. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of movery, so when, maybe help. When y'all were working on the show, did you ever look to those movies? For, you know, it was more monkeys, to, believe yeah, it or we not. Looked to the monkeys. I mean, the, I mean, we didn't directly look to the monkeys. But, yes, I mean, it was the monkeys that I think. I think if I were to look at it, I would say the parallels between us and the monkeys were much more um, apparent. I mm-hmm. think um, it's, you know, being a music based show and there's even kind of the madcap and yeah. physical comedy uh, Four guys in the same house. Totally. Yeah. It's very similar. Yeah, yep. for sure. Uh, Kyle, you, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd uh, forced to pick. I'd like to be artsy and say, Oh no, hard day's night. But, I just I think help gives me a little more joy yeah. as the years go on. It's just so silly. It's so unbelievably silly. Right. Um, I, I, and there isn't enough silliness in the world these days. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that makes me appreciate it even more. For sure. For sure. Um, and then the last one, Scott, this is going to be for you because Kyle's already done this one. Uh, your favorite memory associated with the Beatles or a Beatles song. Um, let's see. My favorite memory. Um, I would probably say, um, like, uh, deep diving into the cover art of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I mean, you know, it was, it's weird, like, cause I, I know I don't want to be a heretic, but you know, that the movie that the Bee Gees did was, <laughs> you know, we watched that on the tour bus. We watched it on yeah. the tour. I mean, and so, you know, you had, and I, when did that movie come out? 78? 78. 78. So like, I, I, that was probably an impressionable time uh, for me. That was so my like, first exposure to some of those songs. I won't lie. Exactly. And so, um, so I think it, it made the whole um, uh, uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band kind of, you know, magical uh, for me. And then also that, you know, I think what was that? that I think that's the first album uh, to have the lyrics on the album sleeve itself, you know, and the, and so, you know, for me that there's some innovative stuff so you can actually read and then you could see and you can, you know, and also the kitsch 
you know, with the cutouts. And mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, it was, it, it's the magic of that cover art um, as first sort of experience through the Bee Gees. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Oh my goodness. Well, guys, this is, uh, this is fantastic stuff. Um, so we've got the new movers record, uh, happy to be here is out now. Right. What is up next for y'all? Cause then, I mean, obviously it's been hard to go out and, uh, and tour the last couple years. Hopefully shows with, at uh, some point <laughs> with, with children. So you know. the, the cool thing is that we are turning 20, uh, as the movers in June of wow. 2022. Congratulations. So we're going to have two releases, um, one will be original music uh, that we will start working on sooner rather than later. It's a it's it's like uh, herding cats dealing with the movers sometimes. Sure. Um, <laughs> Any good it's, it's, salt it's, is it's like a herding chore cats. to wrangle everybody. Uh, and then we're doing a compilation uh, EP. We reached out to artists to cover our songs. How cool! Uh, and so um, we have some artists on board who will be doing covers of mover songs. Nice. So that will be part of that release as well. Amazing! How cool! And that so that'll all be yeah, 2022. And I assume, uh, hopefully, you know, if, if all goes according to plan, some tour dates, y'all be out there. I'm yes. Sure. Yeah, I think uh, we actually might uh, we might have that Gasparilla come on board, Kyle. That might have oh. to come on board. Nice. Um, but we have some shows in um, a March, March, New York and Connecticut, and then hopefully more. Uh, as our demo becomes um, um, vaccinated and, and that becomes less of something that you have to worry about. Yeah. yeah, it feels so hard to like plan for things too far away right now. It is. It's tough. It's yeah. tough. Yeah. These March dates have been rescheduled, I think, Twice. two, three times. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, yeah. obviously it's tough in our our realm simply because, you know, our audience. Um, Children, and so right? the only shows we've done have been outdoor shows. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but it, it makes it hard for a band to, to, to stay afloat 18 months not performing. It's, it's yeah. difficult. It's not easy. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. For sure. Well, that's super cool on both fronts for, the, uh, for both records and the, uh, and the tour. That's going to be awesome. I'll be sure to, um, to keep all of our listeners abreast of that because a lot of our listeners have kids. So hopefully uh, you'll be maybe passing we get the, a, the woods. Maybe we can get the Brenton Sound to cover Watermelon Meow Meow for the uh, tribute <laughs> album. I'm not saying I'm opposed to it. Holler, <laughs> holler at your boy. Guys, well, well, thank you all so much. Uh, this has been an absolute blast. Um, where can everybody keep up with all things Imagination Movers? Where can they get the latest record, all the merch, all that stuff? Scott, tell them. You can call me on my phone. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, imaginationmovers.com is like the hub and then of course we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on instagram um i don't know how tiktok works uh, you have I'm one a, but no one can figure it out i know it's it's the hardest thing it, uh, why is it brain surgery so uh, but anyway imaginationmovers.com and um and you can always check us out on twitter and facebook excellent 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 well Guys, thank you all so much. It's been an absolute blast. We'll have to do it again sometime. We've got plenty of more songs to uh, to talk about. So we'll do something for the 20th anniversary. Get, do Sounds great. Sure. Sounds That's good. Wonderful. Awesome. Awesome. Woo! Scott and Kyle. How much fun, y'all. 20 years for the movers. That's I really cool. It. I didn't even realize it had been that long. It hadn't felt like it. It makes sense. It does, yeah. But um, time goes by very quickly. It does. And when you don't have children... 
uh, you don't think about that because we don't have children. So. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember my brother talking about imagination movers because mm-hmm. he has children. He's got kids. So, yeah. 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 I do remember him saying, like, oh, they're great. I think they're from New Orleans. I was like, yes, they are. They are. Um, yeah. So Yellow Submarine at 153. Think I'm in the ballpark, don't you? I think I you do. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, it's been a really fun conversation to talk about this song. I feel like it doesn't necessarily always get its uh, its its props, but maybe it's due for a little reconsideration, my friends. Yeah. Maybe think I mean, about I it. think it's like very commercialized. Sure. But I do. Does that result in people missing the joy of it? I think so. I mean, I, I think that's a lot of what people get bummed out about things when. When things are so commercialized and so everywhere, mm-hmm. it kind of just becomes like, oh, yeah, it's yellow. It's almost like yeah. like you need to take a step back from it. Like Kyle said, he yes. listened to it for the first time in a while today, and he's like, man, what a happy song. Yeah. Like, I think we all just need to, like, take a step back from it and then revisit it with, like, fresh ears and um, yeah, be reminded of how lovely it is Yeah, and how it's okay to be happy. It's okay to be happy and have a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, friends, what do you think about Yellow Submarine at number 153? Am I too high? Am I too low? Am I right in the ballpark? Or is it just right, as they say? Uh, Let us know what you think. I love the face you're giving me right now. It's it's pure (laughs) joy. Uh, Let us know what you think on Facebook at... Ranking the Beatles. Let us know on Instagram at... Ranking the Beatles. Or on Twitter at... Ranking Beatles. Yeah, so if you're following us on any of those... Uh, if you're not following us on any of those, <laughs> be sure to follow us on all of those uh, and join in all the conversations because it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, tell a friend. Let them know what we're doing here. We're mm-hmm. having a good old time. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can talk about how right or wrong Jonathan is with your friend. Yeah. That's all the fun. That's part of the fun right there. And then maybe you just start your own podcast. That's Ranking Ranking the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be opposed to that existing, to be honest with you. I think it'd be quite fun. Um, so yeah, there we go. Good one, gang. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we'll see you back here next week with another <laughs> zany episode of Ranking the Beatles. Uh, so until then, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. This has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.